Hello and welcome to this episode of Take 15 Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Foster. and today's show, we have a first, our first ever astronaut. Dr. Katie Coleman is a former NASA astronaut who completed three trips to space. She flew on two space shuttle missions and spent six months aboard the International Space Station. Katie shares with us what inspired her to become an astronaut, how to prepare for uncertainty, and so much more. We hope you enjoy this episode of Take 15 Podcast. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for being here. So you've accomplished something that most people really only dream of. You've flown in space. But before you were an astronaut, you were a scientist, a polymer chemist, to be precise. Correct. So what inspired you to be an astronaut? It's a it's a number of things. And, um, you know, I like understanding different worlds. And I grew up with a mom that thought that I could do anything. And when I got selected to be an astronaut, the first thing she asked was whether she would be able to come too, right? I mean, she's this marvelous, marvelous woman. And my dad, who um, has since passed, but worked in underwater exploration, like when men, in this case, first lived under the sea. So exploring's always been very real to me. But realizing that I could be one of those explorers has not. It it never actually occurred to me to be an astronaut, to be one of those explorers until the Alumni Association at MIT invited Sally Ride to come and give a talk. And I remember that auditorium. I remember where I was sitting. I've been back since. And just seeing her, hearing her, understanding a little bit about her, it just made it made those things seem like if I worked at it, I could try to be that. And really in my life, nothing had happened that way. And I think that, I mean, something I spend a lot of time thinking about and doing now is that it's one thing to go, oh, look at all these places where we can see women and minorities just really in a present way, see visually, hear, understand their stories. But I think it'd be actually fairly distressing if we started counting the places that we don't hear them, see them, and understand their stories. I agree, and it's such a powerful message that women and others can see someone and think, well, wow, that that could be me. And I'm wondering, in your life too, there might be young women who look at you and, and be like, wow, She's done it. Maybe I could do it too. Have you ever had situations like that come up? Absolutely. You know, it's making me feel perhaps like a little older um, that <laughs> I recently went to the wedding of my brother, who's quite a bit younger. And, uh, and, and, you know, a bunch of kids at the wedding said to me, you know, hey, you came and talked to us when we were in fourth grade. <laughs> so, um, so it does happen. Right. But, you know, there, and there are, um, we have, the, we have the, the first people who went to space camp are now astronauts. And so those those things are real. It really can, you know. I think it it can travel. You know, that make a big can difference. Travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're in space, uh, you can't let your nerves get in the way of doing a good job. So I'm wondering, how did you manage the nervousness? And I guess the other flip side of saying that is, how did you build resilience? Well, when you say nerves, um, I think almost confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a certain part of being nervous that can be very constructive. And at the same time, you can't have it get in the way of your performance, whether you're standing on a stage or playing an instrument or about to deploy a $2 billion telescope. And the way that I deal with that situation 
is to first of all focus on the mission. You know, the mission is more important than how I feel about it, whether I'm nervous or worried or all those things. So focusing on the mission. But for me personally, knowing that I did all the practicing and getting ready that I needed to, and, and I've convinced myself that if I've done that, if I can really say I've done that, no one can ask of you anything more than your best. And so I, I say this to kids, I say this to my son, you know, did you really do everything you needed to do tonight for your homework? And when the answer is yes, you know, I did all these things, of course now he's ready for that, right? But, you know, sometimes the answer is, well, I could probably read that stuff a little more carefully to really participate tomorrow in class. So for me, being prepared is one of the secrets. That's good advice. So I would love to delve into team dynamics a little bit. Um, and I've heard you say that you don't get to pick your team when you go to space. Uh, and that it's a common myth that when NASA is putting together crews, there's a lot of attention on personalities when it's really the mission that is paramount. So what are your key takeaways uh, of becoming like a better crew member and getting along with everyone who's on the team? I think a lot about how to how to optimize the team. I mean, you are in a certain situation, whether you're trapped in the elevator with a group of people or you're living in paradise on a space station. You know, you have the team that you have. And I think in terms of, um, I think it's essential to be two things. One is to be brave and the other one is to be open. Where brave, not just to be the one to go do the scary thing, but actually sometimes the scariest thing can be saying, this is what I bring to the table. And maybe you have to say, this is what I think I bring to the table, but I'd urge you to rephrase, right? Um, but I think you have to be brave to do that. And, and sometimes asking your questions can help other people you know, with their questions. So being brave enough to say who you are and what you bring, especially when you really have the suspicion that people might not be able to hear it, and you think it's not actually fair that you have to do that at all, and the other thing would be to be open, and that is open to listening when other people present themselves in very subtle ways, and also realizing sometimes they just can't. Sometimes they can't mm -hmm. tell you what they bring to the team, but you need it. And then, fair or not, it's actually your job as a team member to bring that out or help them realize that that is their contribution and that there are probably more wild contributions lurking. Mm -hmm. So hearing you talk about bravery reminds me of something I heard you say, which surprised me. You were talking about bravery and you said that playing the flute on the space station took bravery. And I was surprised to hear that, but maybe you can expound a little bit about why that took bravery, because we tend to think of bravery as life and death, not taking out your flutes and playing on the space station. So why did you choose that word bravery in the conversation that I'd heard a few months ago? Well, first of all, there's a really, uh, there's a very real feeling that I have when I'm going to step out on a stage or on the space station, <laughs> um, play my flute because, you know, I, I love to play, and I and I have enough musical talent that I know it's not wrong to play. I don't think it's wrong for anyone to play, but you know, I was the, I was the only flute player up there, and by bringing other people's flutes up there, I mean. This was the chance to bring more people to space mm -hmm. and to make people on Earth realize that, you know, real people are up there that can be wonderful musicians, can be average musicians. So I think it does take some bravery to to go ahead and, and do that. 
um, I don't know. I, I was I was really glad I did, and I, it's yeah. it's been interesting for me since um, to realize what I say sometimes. Well, you know, I'm not a real flute player. Right. For example, I went to the Montreal Symphony last night and heard simply amazing yeah. flute players and musicians. And it's not the way I was trained. And I don't know if I spent every minute of my days whether I could be that or not. But I'm a, I'm a real flute player for me and for the the purposes that I have. And to realize that's enough. So a few years ago, you were a guest on the Inquiring Minds podcast, and there was something you said on that episode that really intrigued me. And at the time, NASA was doing an open call to recruit scientists and engineers and pilots, and you were talking with the host about the application process. And I remember you mentioned an application from someone who'd run a summer camp for kids for three years, and this was your response. This is safety. It is interacting with parents, with kids, it's teaching, following procedures, regulations, it's safety. This is someone I want to have on my ship. And I found that eye-opening. So setting aside the technical skills, which are a given, what do you look for on the non-technical side when you're building a team? Well, there's, there's what you think is necessary and then there's what you'd like to have. You know, I'd actually like to have more people like me. <laughs> You know, and uh, and and you know, often on a on a crew yeah. these days, um, we'll often see at least one woman. But it's not like there's a lot of us. And I and I think in a stereotypical way, you know, we do things differently. And and I think that there's some value in bringing more of that. And and also, I mean, there's times that I I know it's the right thing to speak up. Um, I, I think I work in a sort of facilitative kind of way. And I'm the one that asks the questions I know that other people have. And whatever you want to diagnose is the reason they don't ask it. I know that if I ask this, we're all going to end up on the same page. And we're going to have clarified something that was really important that will help us for later. And yet, um, I'm not really asking this because I have this question. I'm asking this because it wasn't clear, hmm. right? And so, I, you know, and I, you can't do that all the time or people will think you don't know anything. So I judge when mm -hmm. I do that. And so I think it'd be great to have more, just a more of a mix of skills so that the fact that yours are different wouldn't have to be something where you pick and choose your moments. Mm -hmm. So in the investment profession, and particularly at CFA Institute, we think a lot about trust. And when you're in space, you have to be willing to put your life in the hands of your crew members, and things can happen unexpectedly, and that requires a lot of trust. So I'm wondering, how does NASA help crew, crews build trust? And what advice do you have for leaders uh, in other industries who have to mm -hmm. quickly establish uh, trust or earn trust with their team members? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that it was exciting for me to come and speak at this conference because there is such trust involved in, in, in resources, your own resources, worrying how many you're going to have for the future. And it occurs to me that in a, in a profession that is traditionally male dominated, mm. you know, I certainly want someone that can help me understand that they know what they're doing, that they're giving me data, that they do, that they can really express to me how confident or not confident that they are in that data. And, and that's going to be a mixture of people mm -hmm. and, and probably not the same proportion that I see in the profession, right? So I was excited to come and hopefully reinforce to 
people in, in this profession that might feel themselves different than the stereotype, that their views are really, really important. And does it take an element of trust? When I think about building trust, in a way, uh, you need to introduce vulnerability, I think. And NASA has developed some ways that they help us as crew members and also other NASA team members as well by putting us into situations where we're going to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And the greatest, I mean, actually, it's really wonderful to do this as a job, but I've gotten to participate in the National Outdoor Leadership Program, mm -hmm. where a group of six or eight of us are going with leadership instructors out into the woods, you know, hiking, climbing a mountain, doing rappelling, kayaking, you know, these kinds of things um, where you, I, I talk, I tell people it's like getting down to your skinny little self and, uh, you know, and, and that's where you're really vulnerable and needing to tell people what you need mm. in, in, in times when you really need it. And when you do that, when you share those experiences, you build trust, I think. I, I also example. think that in our in our everyday practicing at NASA as astronauts, um, we're building trust in, in you know, simulations when you perform and perform, meaning, you know, how do the team do? And, and I often think in terms of how do I make sure that I'm aware that other people need to trust me? And sometimes that means I have to demonstrate that trust differently. I have to explain myself or show my answers or, or do a deed in a way that is in a language or an environment that they understand. Because just because I know I would be competent in that way, sometimes you really need to show people in a way that they can see it or absorb it or appreciate it or have it be appreciated by people above them. So this is a segue, but almost a similar take on that same question. I'm wondering how you and your fellow crew members dealt with uncertainty and whether as part of your training, you had to do a lot of scenario planning, so practicing for when things might go wrong and what advice you might have for, for other leaders who need to prepare their teams for complexity or for unexpected outcomes. When, when the future is uncertain, which it always is, right? Um, I think, I think that something that helps is to go back to sort of pre-decision making. In, in the space world, we call these the flight rules, that we make decisions about what if this happens, this is what we're going to do, or we're going to do one of these three things, depending on the criteria. And we don't just make those rules in the blind. We make those rules before we even start practicing. And then we iterate on them, because sometimes what you think was going to be the logical next thing is it turns out not to be like, for example, well, you know, if anything goes wrong electrically on the space station, we're just gonna power down everything we don't need to like breathe and, and survive and then look at it. And that seems like a really logical thing to do, maybe more than you need to do. And it turns out if, you, if one of the things you're doing is powering down every experiment that's on the space station, that could mean actually completely ruining those experiments forever, well, maybe you have to rethink that rule to make it something that is actually palatable to the program yeah. and its needs. So we iterate on those things. And I think just going back to the basis of, of facts, like because that way when, when things happen, when situations are not what they seem, there's a feeling that people have inside and all of us react differently to that feeling of vulnerability, of mm -hmm. fear, of, oh no. 
And the fact that we can all go back to the same set of facts kind of takes us away from those differences in the way we react. Good advice. So wrapping up, uh, wondering whether you have one or two big takeaways from your experience in space. For example, as you gaze down on the Earth from your, I guess it's a window uh, on the spaceship, did it change your view perhaps uh, of mankind or the world in which we live? Any big takeaways? I'll take myself back to being on the space station and looking out the window. And I'll say that my idea of Earth just got bigger. You know, in that I often used to think about there's Earth and then there's space. But then once you're in space, space, you realize that we're still part of Earth. We're still connected. We're still connected to everyone we're connected to before we leave. It's just that the Earth is bigger than we thought. And many people haven't been there yet. But the other important insight that I would share is that it, it's clear that when you're in a space station or a little tiny spaceship, and you look around, there's no one else but you to accomplish the mission. I mean, it's, it's a visceral thing. You can feel it. You can, you can see it. It's just a fact. But when we look back at the Earth, the Earth is a spaceship. And all of us are the crew. And there actually is no one else. And I find that that imperative helps me make better choices, start things sooner, and speak up when I think I have things that might be valuable to say. That's a great note on which to end. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts and it helps others find the show. Also, a quick reminder, this podcast isn't intended to provide expert advice on the topics we covered. If you need tax, accounting, or legal advice, please consult a professional. I am Lauren Foster. Thanks so much for listening.